Access is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kareens. We're starting a new series tonight, you guys, um, called Stand Your Ground. I know I've been talking to you guys about it uh, for a while now. It goes all the way back to, I think it was September, uh, October time frame. We were in another series on relationships, and uh, I had asked the question, you know, because you guys hear in church a lot, probably if you grew up in the church, and if you didn't, that's okay. Uh, and you just started attending church at some point in time, you'll hear something, you know, from a preacher or a teacher, somebody with a microphone who will say something like this. You got to be in the word every day. You got to be in the word every day. Anybody ever heard that before? Um, and I had asked a question to all of you, and it was a simple question. I just said, who here has actually been taught why the word of God is so important and who here has been taught how to read and study through the word of God. And almost, like out of 250 people, there were six people that raised their hands. So I knew immediately that we needed to change that. And I made a promise to all of you that I'm now going to fulfill, uh, that I was going to do something about that. And I, I, I toiled over how I was going to do this. I, I thought about even doing something at like a 6 o'clock to 6.45 for a five-week period, maybe doing something on Wednesday nights to where I can talk to you guys and teach you guys why the Word of God is so important and how far we've, we've gone away from the Word of God in our culture and, and why it's so important to have the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, as a part of our lives as being followers of Jesus Christ. So that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. So I want to I open up and I want to read to you. Now, we just went through this, this study through the book of Ephesians, and we just ended last week. Randy Don Giovanni came in and finished us off in chapter 6 where he talked about putting on the armor of God. I'm going to read a passage of scripture um, out of Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13, and, and, and I want you to, to, to see where I, I took this, um, and, I, and I got the title and, and the name for this series. So in verse 13, it says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The scriptures talk about itself being a sword of the Spirit. Y'all have seen Star Wars. Except for the lady in the, in the wildcat red. Sorry, you just said no, I haven't. And, and God bless you. It's, uh, uh, you. You neither? Who else hasn't seen it? Raise your hands. Holy. Oh, oh we're going to have to do something about that. <laughs> we might have to have Star Wars night up in here. You can't dress up like Chewbacca, though, okay, people? We ain't, going, we ain't going there. But the Word of God talks about itself as being the sword of the Spirit. You know, we're supposed to be able to use the Word of God to defend ourselves against the attacks of the enemy of our soul. Now, I want to read to you something else out of this, this Bible that I've got, this study Bible that I've got, and it actually breaks down what stand your ground means in the original language. It says this. Stand your ground. Anthestami is the Greek word for it. Anthestami 
And it's comparable, and where, this is where we get the word antihistamine from. From anti, which means against, and then histami, which means, histami means to cause, to stand. The verb suggests vigorously opposing, bravely resisting, standing face to face against an adversary, standing your ground, just as an antihistamine puts a block on histamine, antistamine tells us that with the authority and spiritual weapons granted to us, we can withstand evil forces. Somebody say amen. amen. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take my preacher hat off tonight, and I'm going to put my teaching hat on, okay, which is why you see me sitting down tonight. It's going to be like a little coffee house talk. Um, we've laid out for you, and I've laid out for you, a uh, two-sided sheet that you'll see right beneath you, underneath your seats. If you can go ahead and grab that, we've also placed a pen for you as well. Uh, everything that we're about to go through is going to be on those notes. Uh, so for about the next, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes, somewhere in there, I'm going to take you guys through this, and I'm going to stick close to my notes, which is exactly what you have in your hand. I've got some fill-in-the-blanks there, some stuff for you guys to participate in and to take this home. And my prayer has just been that tonight, that the word will become rhema to you, which I'm going to explain that later. But the importance of the word of God, friends, is beyond anything that I can comprehend and even, even tell you about. But we're going to go to the word of God tonight and see exactly why it is so important to us and why the Word of God calls it the sword of the Spirit. So let's pray before we start. Father, I thank you for the remaining moments that we have to spend together. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in Jesus' holy name that you would grant each of us in this room, everybody listening to my voice, a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. God, open our hearts wide right now, Holy Spirit, to receive this word. I pray that tonight changes every single one of us and helps in the process, us, uh, the process of us going from glory to glory and becoming more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Pray this in his holy name. We all together said, Amen. Amen. John 1.1, 1, 1, follow along with me on your sheets, says this, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. Now, it's very interesting to me how scripture here refers to Jesus as the word. In the beginning, before there was a Bible, he actually called himself the word. And it goes on to say, and the word was with God and the word was God. In other words, if we truly desire and want to know God, one of the best ways that we do that as followers of Jesus Christ is to get to know this word of God and to get to know it well. But for a lot of us, I do understand completely, I understand completely, friends, that we have a very difficult time. Many of us have a very We're going to just talk about this openly and honestly, okay? Uh, I understand that many of, of you in this room if not the majority, struggle with reading the Bible and how to read the Bible, how to, how to get revelation from 
the word of God. So I get that, which is exactly why we're going to talk about what we're talking about for the rest of our time together. But I just thank God, and we need to thank Jesus for doing something about that. Because verse 14 of John chapter 1 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus. Before, before the scriptures even came about, Jesus existed and he called himself the word. And he decided to do something about it to show us how we can actually live life, live the Christian life. He actually became, became flesh. He became a human being. And that word dwelt among us literally means that he tabernacled among us. He pitched a tent how many of you know that the, the bodies that we, that we have on right now, that you and I, that the flesh and bone is simply a tent? We are spirit beings. This is just our tent. We never die. We never die. And so the spirit in us is the real us. These bodies is not. These things are going to wear away, and, and, and they're going to go on the ground one day, and we're going to go on into glory one day to be with the word of God. And Jesus came... And, and there's what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in this book that describe exactly who Jesus was, what he looked like, how he did life as a human being, fully God, fully man. He showed us how to live this life we call Christianity. Can somebody say amen to Jesus for that? Why, it's, why is it important to read this book? This is the language of God. This is the language of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you, you know, so many people, young people, I understand about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm all for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You guys know that. But if you do not know this book well, let me say something to you. If you don't know the word of God, stop prophesying. You're going to hurt people. And you don't even know it. How important is the word of God, friends? I can't even, I can't even describe it to you. This is the language of God contained in a book. And I'm going to get to, in, 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 in the series, uh, you know, in the weeks to come, in the weeks that ensue, I'm going to break down for us some very difficult things. I want to talk about, you know, the, dif the difficult portions of Scripture that we all wrestle with. There's, listen, there are portions of Scriptures that I wrestle with and I don't have answers for, but you know what? I don't need to have the answers for anything because as soon as I have the answers for everything, then I make myself God in my own life and I don't want that. Somebody say amen. So Jesus did something about it. He came to planet Earth to show us how to live this life, and then he made claims about the Bible that we're going to get into a little bit today. So here's what I believe is going to happen over the next four weeks. I think that all of us are going to fall more in love with God, and I think that we're going to fall more in love with his holy scriptures as well. Amen? So first thing I want to uh, say is this, and this is on your notes, about the word of God is this. It's alive. The word of God is alive. John 6, 63 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, the words, so he's saying, Jesus is saying, you know, what I'm saying and what I'm speaking to you, the things that I've spoken, the words are spirit. Now, this word, is, this word spirit here is very interesting and intriguing because it's not the actual translation uh, um, of the word spoken in the original language. The original language word that was spoken for spirit is the word pneuma. Now, the word pneuma actually means the, the closest English word. We don't even have an English word to describe it. The closest English word to describe it is breath. 
the breath of God. So they, they ended up choosing to use spirit instead of breath because you would have had, the words I have spoken to you are breath and they are life. Okay, uh, we don't have an English word to describe this word, but he goes on, the words I have spoken to you are pneuma, and that means breath of, breath of God. So when God speaks, how many know he has to use breath to speak? We have to use breath when we speak. But when God speaks something, there is God power that comes beside the word to make anything that he says possible. Even if it looks illogical, impossible, in the natural, when God speaks something, the breath of God comes along and, and, and gives, adds, it, adds God's power to that word, and that word will come to pass. Amen? So uh, he, he says this, the words that I speak, let's just say it like this, the words I speak are the very breath of God, and they are life, which means it's alive. The word of God is absolutely alive. Now, some of you are probably thinking, really? Really, Kurt, is it, is it really alive? Like, how does that work? Check this out, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. The Bible is not just simply some historical book record. It is the very words of God. Sharper than any double-edged sword, the word of God, remember, is the sword of the spirit. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. How many know the word of God gets all up in our business? Does it not? Dividing between even you know, uh, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. You know, and it does that. It gets all up in our business, and it does that so that we can become more like his son, Jesus Christ. So my challenge is for all of us to be as excited about the word of God as, as I get. You know, I just purchased this Bible, actually, uh, from our bookstore just the other month, and I was like a little kid, you know, literally going into a candy store, you know, and, and I'm talking with the ladies up front, and I'm trying to figure out, do I want to have the one with the thumb tabs? And, you know, I'm looking through. I mean, I spent a half hour, and I'm just thinking, man, this is the spirit, new spirit-filled life Bible that Jack Hayford put together, and I'm just so excited about it, and I get it, and I just, I get home, don't I, honey? She, she's so sick of me buying Bibles. I have, I, you, you should see me, you should see me at home when I study. I've got an NIV, two NIV study Bibles, an ESV study Bible. I've got an NLT, a New King James, the message translation. I got my U version open and my computer open on Bible Gateway. It's just, I love reading God's word. I just, I can't get enough of the word of God. Amen. So, my challenge is I just want you to be so excited about the Word of God because I understand that your you know, uh, culture, uh, not just with your age, but even you know, uh, people my age, I mean, we're, we've gotten so far from, from the things of God and from the Word of God, and, and a lot of people are really having a difficult time, and I know I don't need to tell you this, are really having a difficult time standing their ground and facing the storms of life, and you see them falling down left and right. But if you'll, if you'll build your life on the Word of God, the Word of God will never let you down. You'll withstand any storms that come your way. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Number one, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you a theological teaching right now of how the Bible comes alive to us. And then I'm going to give you some practical steps uh, that you're going to have right on your sheet that you can leave here. And then you can take home and apply immediately into your life. So all this, again, is in your notes. So please follow along. Here's what we need to know about the Word of God. Now you're going to use your pen. Get that pen ready to go, people. Here we go. Anybody want to take a stab at this? That first one, what activates the word? Come on, somebody. Faith activates the word. I know some people in here know the word. 
Faith activates the word. Now, faith is a key that helps the word of God come alive. Hebrews 4.2 says this. For we also have had, now I want you to, I want you to follow along in your notes and, and, and notice what I've put in bold there for you. For we also have had the gospel preached to us. So the writer of Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, is saying, I listened and I heard the same gospel message that you heard. Just as they did, he's saying, the message that, but the message that they heard was of no value to them. In other words, they didn't get it. It didn't come alive to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. So if we are hearing, like you're hearing my voice tonight, if we're hearing or reading the word of God and we don't mix it with faith, it will be of no value to us. This is a, this is a big issue, friends, and if you guys can get this and you can add your faith to whatever it is that you're reading, it will come alive to you and it will have value, it will add value to your life. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, Kurt, I know that's exactly my problem. I don't seem to get anything out of my time you know, spent reading the Bible. I don't seem to have enough faith, right? Let me help you out because there's something else that helps to activate our faith. Anybody want to take a stab at this one? What activates our faith? Come on, somebody, say something, even if it's wrong. Belief, it's close, close, close. Revelation, revelation. Thank you for taking a stab at it. Revelation activates faith. So in other words, if you really want to believe what you're reading, if you want it to come alive to you personally, revelation has to happen. And it's these, you know, when you're reading the Bible or you're listening to a preacher or a teacher teach, and all of a sudden you kind of have those, oh, aha, I get it. All of a sudden it comes alive to you. You got revelation. So uh, something we have to understand is this. Two, there are two words for the word word in the Greek language. Let me say it again. There's two words for the word word in the Greek language. And here they are. This is what they, this is what they are. Logos. Logos means written word, or, you know, in this, in this case, what we're doing, the spoken word. Uh, many people are going to leave tonight, you know, thinking, man, that was an awesome message. I just absolutely love that. I got so much out of it. And then there's going to be other people that leave, and they're going to say this, man, I ain't getting nothing out of that. And here's why. They're not getting the second word for word, which is rhema. Rhema means this, revealed word. It's a revelatory word. You understand, you have that aha moment. So how does this happen? I want to share with you a Bible story of this very thing happened to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So you guys know the story. You guys have celebrated Christmas, right? Uh, the, the plan for Jesus to come to earth, you know, the, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says to Mary, hey, Mary, uh, you're going to get pregnant with God, okay? And you're going to name him Jesus, right? You guys know the story. And so he speaks the word of God. And what angels are tasked with many times is to deliver the oracle of God. What's the oracle of God? It's simply the spoken word of God from heaven. They come down and speak the word of God. Now, I want you to see her response. Check this out, everybody. She says in Luke 1, 34, how will this be? So at this point, she hears the word of God, but she didn't believe it. She's saying, that is impossible. I'm a virgin. How is that going to happen? I've never had sex. This is ridiculous, right? The word is of no value to me right now. This makes absolutely no sense. It was logos word to her at this point, not rhema. 
So here we go. Let's keep going. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For no word, that actually is rhema, right there. No rhema word, no revelation word from God will ever fail. All of the sudden, just like that, everything changed for Mary, and she gets it. Aha, it became revelatory to her, and then you see her say this, I'm the Lord's servant. She says, nope, that's impossible. That, 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 I, I have no idea what you're saying. And then all of a sudden he says this, speaks it again. No word from God, rhema word, will ever fail. She has a rhema experience. May your word, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. And Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. She went from receiving the logos word to the rhema word, and it changed everything. And she immediately became pregnant with Jesus Christ, the son of God. So the next one is this. What activates our revelation? Meditation, meditation, meditation. Good try. You're wrong. <laughs> meditation activates revelation. So most likely on the first pass, and every single one of us have, have experienced, and I would even go as far to bet this, uh, most likely on the first pass, we don't really get revelation from the Word of God as we're just kind of, you know, maundering through it, kind of in a mundane, I'm just going to read one chapter, and then you read through it, and then you think to yourself, wow, I got nothing out of that. It was Logos Word, right? And here's what I'd be willing to bet, that every Thursday when you guys show up here, and I read through, which I do almost every single week, I start every week off, we go right to the Word of God, and I'll read a passage of Scripture and upon reading that passage of Scripture for the first time, I bet most of you in here are going, what the heck is he going to talk about tonight? <laughs> it did nothing for me because it was Logos Word. But then what happens is the remainder of the service, I go back and I break down the Scripture line verse by verse by verse. And by the time you leave, most of you leave thinking, aha, I get it now. Why? Because I spent the whole week studying the Word of God, studying it in different languages, doing Greek and Hebrew word studies on it, and guess what I'm doing? I'm pondering over it, and I'm meditating on it. I'm meditating on it day and night, and I'm just meditating on it, and I'm meditating on it, and it's getting in here, and it's become revelation knowledge to me, and now I get to teach revelation to you. There's a huge difference between uh, you know, getting taught information and taught revelation, you can, you can tell when, when a preacher is teaching out of revelation uh, versus just simply information. It's logos versus rhema, okay? And that's what's happening. And, 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 and so Joshua 1 says this. And, and I want to say something before I even get to this scripture because it's right there on your notes, but hear me. I do this every week, and I know that it's, it's, it's part of uh, my job, but I need you to understand something that it is a trap for people like myself whose gifting and calling is to preach and to teach the word of God. It's a trap for me to simply study the word of God so I can teach it to you. And it's happened before. But I cannot do this, and you cannot do this either. You cannot study scripture to simply garner and gain more information and knowledge because you will just become more proud and religious. You and I need to study and meditate on God's holy word so that it changes us, 
so that we can become more like his son, Jesus Christ. That is the only reason that we go to the word of God. We do not go to the word of God to get puffed up about how much we know, how many Bible verses we can quote. That's garbage, okay? Because you can use this book to kill. You can use this book to, to, to say slavery was okay. No, uh-uh, no, friends. We use this book to become more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Do I have to amen myself in here tonight? That was a good word. So Joshua 1, 7 says this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now, who doesn't want this next part? Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. Who wants to be prosperous and successful up in here tonight? I want that. And what does it say to do? Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. How important is the word of God? You want to be prosperous? You want to succeed in this lifetime? Get grounded and rooted in the word of God. Get grounded and rooted in the word of God. God's word is foundational to our lives. Matthew 7, I love this. This is a paraphrase of what Jesus said. It says this, these words that I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Why? Because storms are coming, friends. Storms are coming your way. Some of you are like, could you be more positive, Pastor Kurt? Let me be positive about this. I'm positive that storms are coming your way. All right? And we need to be able to stand on solid ground. We need to be able to stand our ground, and we stand our ground by having foundational words, words to build a life on, which is contained in this book. So God wants us to be able to stand our ground no matter what storms blow into town. So that sounds great, Kurt, but how? How do we do it? Number one, follow along. Let's all accept its authority. Let's all accept its authority. We have to accept the authority of God's holy word. Listen to me. Look at me. We have to accept, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to accept the authority of the word of God in our lives. We have to accept the authority of the word of God in our lives. Are you hearing me? Because if you don't do this, and I'm going to break it down, for if you don't do this, none of the other points that we're going to go through are actually going to work for you guys. Let me just be open and honest with you, okay? You have to accept the authority of God's holy word. And let me answer questions that, you know, some, some of these questions might be going through your minds. Well, how can I accept it if I don't understand it? Friends, there's a whole lot of things that I don't understand that I accept. I don't understand digestion. I still eat. <laughs> Come on. I don't understand women. I got married. Am I preaching good? Up here. Uh-huh. Listen, I don't understand. What did you say about tonight? But how dare you talk about my, my, my love life back from the couch? He's on tonight, girl. What's up? 
I can talk like that to my wife. Marriage is good. Amen? Amen. Even though I don't understand her, I love her. You guys are crazy. But we must accept the word of God and its authority. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God. Pause right there. When you received the word of God. That word received here actually literally means that you welcomed a stranger. Like you saw someone on the street that you had no idea who they were and said, hey, why don't you come on into the house? That's literally what this word means. When you received the word of God, even even though you didn't understand the word of God, it, it made no sense to you, you received it as you would receive a stranger into your own home. So you didn't know it, you didn't understand it, but you accepted it. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, check this out, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but actually as it is, the word of God, which is at work In you who believe, the word of God is only at work in those who have have accepted its authority and believe in the holy word. Say amen, somebody. Second thing is this. Let's all, let's all trust its truths. Let's all trust its truths. How do we do that? By listening to God's word. Romans 10, 17 says it this way. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir right now because you're all here, but there's something to be said about church attendance. There is something to be said about making Thursday nights or a Sunday morning a priority in your life. Listen to me. You might look at me and say, well, you're a pastor. You have to be here. Yeah, I get that. But let me just be open and honest with you. Before I was a pastor and a preacher and I was on staff at a church, I was at church every single week. Do you want to know the only reason why I was at church every single week? I found a scripture in Luke chapter 4 that said Jesus attended church every week, as was his custom. If my Savior, if my Savior made it a point to attend church every single week, then why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't you? And listen to me. You you know what I believe. You know what I preach. You hear me say, friends, at some point in time, our relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, must go beyond the four walls of the church. Jesus' ministry went beyond the four walls of synagogue and temple. Ours has to as well. But one of the benefits of church attendance is this. You get to sit and listen and hear the words of God preached. And whatever strengthens our hope strengthens our faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when you come and you listen to God's holy word preached, you have hope, and hope strengthens your faith. And when you have strengthened faith, you are pleasing to God. Come on, somebody. Are you guys hearing me? You're kind of looking at me like deer in the headlights a little bit. You tracking with me tonight? Is this good? Is this rich? Is anybody getting excited about the Word of God just a little bit? So we must position ourselves, and positioning ourselves to listen and to hear the Word of God is so extremely important. 
You know, I had a, I had a, a, a conversation with a gal and, and, and her boyfriend just a few weeks ago here. And, you know, uh, she used to be a regular attender and, and uh, volunteer with us. And, and I won't mention her name, Amy Long. Um, <laughs> she knows we had this conversation. And uh, I love Amy Long and Ricky and, and uh, you know, but she, she hadn't shown up in a while. And, uh, you know, I start as, as, as a, you know, a pastor and an overseer of, of your souls, if you will. I, I, I notice sometimes, and, and I don't like to get into people's business too much. But she came up afterwards, and she says, oh, my gosh, Pastor Kurt, I, I wasn't even going to come tonight. You know, and I had all these things coming against me trying to get here. And, and I had other things I could have done, and, and all of a sudden I just knew I had to come, so I, so I showed up, and oh my gosh, I heard from God tonight, and it was exactly what I needed. How many of you have ever felt like that? You know what I'm saying? And I said to her, but here's what I said to her, I said, you mean to tell me this wasn't on your calendar? <laughs> you mean to tell me this isn't a priority for you? As a follower of Jesus Christ, church attendance, friends, ain't going to get you into heaven. And, you know, none of that's going to happen. But what happens? You, your faith increases. You hear from God's word, and God's word strengthens you, and it empowers you, and it encourages you, and it stretches you, and it challenges you, and it gets all up in your business so that you can repent of stuff and become more like Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that you can go outside the four walls of this church and reach people right where they need to be met. So positioning ourselves to listen and to hear the word of God is very important, friends. Make it a priority. Get it on your calendar. Luke 8, 18 says this, therefore, consider carefully, this is Jesus, consider carefully how you listen. How we listen when we come is of extreme importance as well. The next thing I want to tell you guys is this, what else can we do? We need to be reading God's word, by reading God's word, okay? Now, Jesus answered, and this is in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answers, and he says this, and he's, he's, he's talking back to the devil right now, okay? The devil come, and he's tempting him. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's some things. I'm going to break this down in, in part four, okay? In part four, the final installment, I'm going to take us through how we actually can study the Bible, uh, I'm going to go into further depth on that a few weeks from now, so I'm not going to get into it right now, but we're going to get there, okay? All right, but I want to mention four things to you about reading the Bible. I want to say something because I know that technology has, has you know, uh, it's amazing. I, I mean, I love you, version. You see me every single week. I use an iPad up here, right? And I usually leave my Bible at home, which, which I think is great because I love leaving this Bible at home because it's where it should be. Because I can get up in the morning, I can, you know, and I don't read my Bible every single morning. I, I, I wish I could sit up here and tell you, I read my Bible. First thing I, when I get up, I read my, no, first thing I do is come downstairs and I get a cup of coffee and, 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 and I run to the shower before I get crabby and say something wrong because I am a crabby monster in the morning, man, you know? And I get my kids ready for church. Don't say amen to that, honey. That's rude. <laughs> this is the first time. My wife never says Amen. I, I can't get her to, that's wrong, honey. Wow. 
but it's true. It's true. It's true. Hey, I ain't perfect. Say amen to that. <laughs> oh, God, help me. Amen to that. Uh, here's four things I want to say to you about reading God's Word. I want you to get a paper Bible. What do I mean by a paper Bible? This is paper. Okay. Okay. Uh, there, there's something about having your Bible versus a Bible. Uh, there's actually studies out that have proven that, uh, you know, reading you version and getting online and reading you version is not the same as having your own Bible. And people aren't getting as much out of it because you version is everybody's Bible. I think God wants us to have your own Bible that you can mark up, highlight, go through, and, 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 and write notes. God, I mean, I, I love doing that. Where, you know, even I'm putting some messages together, I'll highlight stuff, and I'll put the date and the time and what revelation I got out of it and the, you know, so that I can go back sometimes and look, oh, man, I forgot all about that that one day. You know? And it's, there's just something special about it. And one of, you know, next, to, um, next to the Holy Spirit, my wife and my children, the greatest thing uh, that I own, the greatest possession that I own is God's word. And one day, after I'm at least 90, I got, I'm shooting for 100, you know, and I, hopefully, you know, I get to the 90s. I just don't want to get to the point where, you know, I'm messing myself and people got to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. But I want to make it past 90, but I'm going to hand off these, these Bibles filled with all sorts of stuff that Daddy wrote, and I'm going to give it to my children and, and just pass it on to them and so that they can you know, pick it up and use it and, and take it from there and give it to their children. And, and uh, it's, just, it's almost going to be like a passing of the baton. Here you go. And it's just precious. So get a paper Bible. There's something to be said about that. And if you don't have one, if you don't have one, would you please come up and tell our prayer team afterwards that you don't have a Bible? And prayer team, would you make sure to talk to Nick Mayo? And we'll, we'll do something about that, okay? We'll, we'll bring Bibles next week. And uh, we have free Bibles that we can give out here from the church. And, and so if you need one, we'll get you one. Um, and again, in, in, in part four, I'm going to break it down into different translations that you can read and why you know, these translations are good and why some are weird. Uh, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll go through that a couple weeks from now. Um, you know, but I firmly, you know, I shouldn't have said that, you know, some are weird. I, I don't believe that. Um, matter of fact, I am convinced, especially, and, and I just want to encourage you because, you know, what's, you hear people talk all the time, well, if you're not reading out of the King James Bible, then you're not really reading the Word of God. Well, shut up. <laughs> Listen, what's the most spiritual translation that you could read? Whichever one you actually read. <laughs> That's a good word. So get a paper Bible. Number two, set aside time to read it. Set aside time to read it. Okay, you got to have a plan. That's number three. Have a plan. Have a plan. And version can help you out with different plans as well. And then number four is this. Listen to me. This is not on your notes. Don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. Don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. So the next thing is this. We need to do this. We need to explore God's Word. So by exploring God's Word. And I'm going to break all this down in the final installment as well on how to study your Bible once again. So why is it so important for us to explore and to study 
the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. The more that we explore and the more that we study God's word, the more it penetrates into our heart, the word of God that is in you will help you to steer clear of sinning against God, your father. The only, the only, you, you need to understand something, that sin goes vertical before it goes horizontal. The only reason that, you know, we say, oh, they sinned against their wife, they sinned against their, their, their boyfriend, their, their friend. No, 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 you sinned against God first. And because you sinned against God and you hurt God, friends, if you're talking in the back, please keep it down so that others can pay attention. If you sin against God, you're going to hurt others because what hurts God hurts other people, which is exactly why repentance and confession needs to go vertical before it goes horizontal. We need to get our hearts right with God before we can get our hearts right with other people. I'm going to finish on a story. Honey, would you do me a favor? Um, I did not write this down, and I I forgot earlier. I had a lot on my mind, but... um, would you look up and Google um, a scripture? It's in Deuteronomy, and I can't remember what chapter, but it talks about ha- make, having two to three witnesses. Uh, and I don't want to tell the rest because I need to tell you guys a story. So if you can look that up and then um, pull it up on, on version. For me, and I can just use your phone in a few minutes. I need to tell a story first, then I'll grab it from you. Uh, number three is this, and then I'm going to tell you a story. This is the last, last portion of your notes here. Let's all apply its principles. Let's all apply its principles. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I love what I've put in bold there. Do not merely listen, do it. Don't just listen, do it. I love, I love you know, at the, the first miracle, thank you, baby. Um, the first miracle, the wedding at Cana. Um, they ran out of wine. And... Uh, they came and said, we ran out of wine. And, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, looks at the disciples and she says to them this. She says, just do whatever he tells you. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's where Nike came up with their slogan. Just do it. Just do whatever Jesus says. That's the best advice in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Came from Mary, the mother of God himself. You just think about that. If we're just faithful with what we've been given, how how many of you know Mary was faithful with God himself, changing his diapers? You think about that. That's crazy. He who's faithful with with little will be faithful with much. Now, I'm getting off on another tangent, and that's another sermon. So last year, I get called in for jury duty. Uh, Wanted nothing to do with it, but here's what happened. I showed up. Uh, I can't remember, it was either a Monday or a Wednesday morning. 
and I go downtown, and I go into the Kent County Courthouse down there, whatever it is, and, and uh, I enter in, in this huge room. There's, there's hundreds of people in there. You got to sign in, and, and then they start drawing people's names out of just a, a randomly, and uh, they look over all of your stuff, and they select whether or not they want you to potentially go into the room to potentially be uh, pulled and, and, and asked to be a part of this jury. And so they came in. They told us that the, the, it was a severe crime. They, didn't, they couldn't give us any uh, uh, more details at that time unless you were actually summoned to go upstairs and then to sit down and potentially be one of the jurors chosen. So I'm in the room, and I'm just thinking, and I've, got, I've, got a, I've got to do sermon prep. I've got to study. I've got all sorts of stuff to do. This is the last thing I wanted to do, right? And I'm in the room just thinking, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. You know what happened? They picked me. And, and, and so I end up getting on this elevator, and it happens just like that. They go, you know, number 430, Kurt Ains, And I, oh, man. And I get up there, and we, we hit this elevator, and they take you up, and they debrief you as soon as you get off of the elevator. And how the severity of the crime, and, 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 and they told us right up front that it was a, um, it was a rape crime. And, and, and so uh, we go in, uh, and we know nothing else about specifics until you get into the room. So then you get into the room, all the, the potential jurors sit down, and what was going to happen is there was going to be a trial that took place that day. Okay? So we sit down. Judge stands up addresses the courtroom, addresses all the potential jurors. This is what we have on our hands, and this is what they ended up saying. And there was, there was a guy, you know, who was part of the defense team, uh, and then, you know, there was a prosecutor with, the, uh, with the, um, the plaintiff, right? Is that what they call him, right? The, yeah. Um, and so the woman was over there, and the guy's over here, and they say, okay, here's, here's the case, here's the situation, um, and there's no witnesses to what happened, you know, and I'm sitting, and by the way, we had, to sh- we had to shut off our phones and all of our iPads. We couldn't even bring them in with us. They didn't allow any electronics in. And so here, here I'm, I'm pondering in my mind just I'm, all this evidence. There's like no physical evidence. There's no witnesses. And I'm thinking to myself, don't pick me. Don't pick me, you know, because I've got this feeling. I'm starting to think like back in, there's something in Deuteronomy. There's something in Deuteronomy that says something about that. Oh, God, help me. Holy Spirit, what is it? You know, I couldn't remember what exactly it said, but I know it said something about like two or three witnesses had to be there and, you know, uh, in order to convict some. I, you know, I just knew something like that. And, 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 and so I'm sitting there, and then they bring up the first 14 jurors, and it wasn't, I wasn't a part of it, and I'm just sitting there. And then here's what they started doing, juror number one, juror number two, and they were going down the line asking questions to each juror and then the defendant's attorney and the plaintiff's attorney get to decide whether or not they want that person to be on the jury team or not. So they start going through and say, and here's the question that they kept asking to everyone. Do you believe that you have what it takes to come up with a guilty verdict without having any physical evidence and without any witnesses present? And one by one, I sat there and watched them all say, oh, yeah, absolutely. Just based off of he said, she said. And I watched them one by one literally say, yes, I could. Yes, I could. And I'm going, if they choose me and they pick me, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to tell the whole courtroom something. 
and I'm, I'm nervous. My heart's pounding through my chest a little bit. I'm like, don't pick me, though. Don't pick me, though. You know what I'm saying? And sure enough, they, they get rid of like four of the potential jurors, and then they pull out of a hat, number seven, Kurt Ains. And I'm like, no. I walk up. I come in. I sit down in seat number seven. And here's what, uh, what the, the defense attorney comes and approaches you know, the juror's box, looks at me and says, Mr. Ains, I see that you're a part of the clergy. I said, ooh, <laughs> am I? <laughs> I'm a pastor. Am I? Does that mean I'm part of the clergy? Sweet. You know, I never thought about it. And, uh, and I said, well, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. And uh, says, you know, we've had people in your position before who have had a hard time casting judgment on someone for their sins or for their wrongdoings. Would that be the case with you? And I said, yes, that would be the case with me. And immediately, everybody around me went, not joking, like pretty much spit on me. The the gal to my left, like spit on me and then turned to, like turned away from me. You religious son of a, you know, it just, you could sense it. And I sat there, didn't, didn't respond to it, didn't react to it. And said, and the guy said to me the exact same question that he asked every other juror. He said, Mr. Ains, do you believe that you could come up with a guilty verdict without having any witnesses present and without having any physical evidence at all based off of just their testimony, her testimony versus his? And I said, No, I don't. And I think everybody here needs to understand something. I was praying for boldness. I was just praying for boldness like, God, and my heart was pounding through my chest. You know, it really was. And, 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 you know, it's like how the scripture says, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say at the time because the Holy Spirit will tell you what you're going to say. And I, and I said, here, I need to say something to everybody. Without any witness present and without any physical evidence, none of us, can come up with a guilty or not guilty verdict. It is not for us to decide. It is not for us to judge. And I knew the scripture, and I, I, I knew the scripture from Deuteronomy that I, that I had read because I had studied the word of God, I'd meditated on it, and it had sank into my heart. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And let me tell you what Deuteronomy says. Because I got out of that courtroom, and, and immediately, here's what happens. I said my piece, and I said, you all can't cast judgment on this man either versus a, a he said, she said. And by the way, friends, that dude failed the eyeball test, okay? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You don't. He looked guilty, y'all. <laughs> I mean, when I came into the courtroom, I was like, yep, he did it. <laughs> guilty. Because with my natural eyes and, and you know, but I'm not God, and I can't judge the hearts of men. I don't know what happened behind closed doors, and if it happened, then someday God's going to deal with it. But without any witnesses and without any physical evidence, I knew what God's word said, and so I spoke up, and guess what? The defense attorney said, we'd like to excuse juror number seven, Kurt Ains, right now. And I got up, walked out, handed off my thing to the, the people behind, you know, the, the, in, in the courtroom, and I walked out. And walked out with my head high, just like this. <laughs> I hope y'all listen to me. Here's why. I get out. I get out, and here's what I do. I got on Google. It's 
fast as I could, and I looked up this scripture just like my wife did, and here's what it says. One witness, one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I got out of there and I said, suckers, I didn't sin against, you know what I'm saying? I was like, thank you, Jesus, that I knew your holy word. I knew your holy word and I did not sin against you because the word of God was hidden in my heart. Amen, somebody? How important is the word of God? It is extremely important and it will keep you and train you. It will keep you and it will train you and it will help you to not sin against God. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's pray. Oh, God, I thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for this time together, Lord. I just pray that... Um, Holy Spirit, you reached everyone where they needed to be reached tonight, God. Strengthen us, encourage us through your word. I pray that you and Holy Spirit would help to read the word with us as we uh, dive into your word between now and next week. Uh, God, I pray for revelation knowledge. Pray that uh, as we read, the, the word would go from logos to rhema. I pray that your word, God, I thank you that it gets all up in our business. I pray for that to happen between now and next week. And I pray that if that does happen and when it does happen, that all of us would choose not to conform the word of God to fit our lives, but we choose to fit our lives according to your word. And if anybody here tonight is ready to make Jesus the Lord of their life, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' holy name that they have the courage to make that decision tonight, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. We love you, Lord. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Access RLC.